Made on Zencaster. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. Stank, Stank, Stank. Genius billionaire playboy. You Stank, you Stank. I am Iron Man. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Stark or Stank. This is a podcast where we talk about the MCU and I'm Aaron. That's my name. And I am here with the guy called Josh. Yep, that's me. I'm Josh. You are Josh. I am Aaron. And this is a goddamn podcast right here on Total Badness. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good. I was worried that I was going to laugh because I was imagining the the like intro music, but instead mm-hmm. I laughed because of your intro. So Okay, well, here you go. You know, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it, I guess. Just fuck it, I guess. <laughs> fuck it, we'll do it live. That's it. You got it. Here we are. We're going to talk about a different MCU movie, and we're going to rank them. In yep. each episode. So we are doing these in uh, order of release. Release order. per week. Who the fuck watches these in chronological order? I, that seems insane to me. Yeah, it's kind of weird because... Like, if you watch them in chronological order, there's things you... you like, you'll miss, like, little hints and things. Or like, like, little... These these movies are meant to be viewed in order. If if you're viewing them all at once, yes. It's like Star Wars, you can kind of watch in whatever order you want because like the prequels were made after the fact, and there was really no intention of ever making them. Whereas mm-hmm. these, it was like they made Iron Man one with the intent of hopefully making an Avengers one day, and once that ship sailed, it was a case of well, we're just gonna keep making these until the fucking bottom falls out. Yeah, that seems to be the plan, seeing as they've just announced Phase 5 and 6. So Many, many Marvel movies to come up until at least 2025. So we figured we'll go back through them all, uh, give our honest opinions on them, figure out if they are stark or stank. Uh, (laughs) I don't uh, think we're going to do like an official rating because I feel like... I feel the like stocks far outweigh the stanks. Exactly. That's that's what I'm feeling. But and... I figured we mm-hmm. do have uh, uh, things we, we we're going to have say two things we love about the movie and two things we hate. Sure. At the at the end here, so maybe we can call those. These those are the stocks, and, and these are the stanks. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay, that works. Yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with that. All right. Um, um, is there anything we, else we need to go over before we begin in earnest? Uh, no, I don't think so. We're gonna we, we're gonna start with some trivia about the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about uh, de- some of the development of the, of the movies. Uh, we're gonna talk about. Uh, I'm gonna basically just read uh, a very quick plot rundown uh, of the movies. And we're just going to talk about the movies and yeah. what we like, what we don't like. That's pretty much it. Starting. And also finishing off with a uh, ranking. 
Yes, and we will rank them. Obviously, As we go. <laughs> this is the first episode, so it's going to rank just in its own... If Iron Man 1 isn't number one for at least some amount of time, <laughs> I think we fucked up. It's going to be number one and also number 30 or something. Yep, it'll be the best and worst MCU movie at for least at least for, one week. For at least a week. Uh, so, Iron Man released yep. in 2008, correct? Yes, 14 years ago. Yes. Uh, the film had a torturous development process. Did it? It did. Stuart Gordon was originally going to direct the movie in 1990. Gee, wow, that is quite a while. <laughs> yeah, when the rights were held by Universal... Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously that didn't happen. Then in 1996, 20th Century Fox acquired the rights with Nicolas Cage expressing an interest in the project. Oh, boy. That would have I, been interesting. Yeah, can you imagine? Okay, I just looked up Stuart Gordon. and I'm like, I, I feel like I know that name. It directed Reanimator and From Beyond and <laughs> Dagon, a whole bunch of like Lovecraftian weird bullshit. And That's... I want to see what that movie looked like. <laughs> That <laughs> does not does not seem like it would fit together at all. Hey man, but... when I think of Tony Stark and the Iron Man, I think of Cthulhu. I think of uh, fish. Uh huh. Um, gross, uh, undead bullshit. Um, brain penises. If I'm remembering <laughs> from beyond correctly. <laughs> yeah. No, I could. I could see it. <coughs> that totally fits. Yep. Um, two years after that fell through, uh, it the project hadn't moved on at all. So Tom Cruise tried to kickstart a produ- production to the extent of commissioning a script by Stanley and Jeff Vinter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Kane then did a polish on the screenplay, but it, okay. that fell through. Obviously, yeah, then well, I don't see Tom Cruise wearing the suit. Nope. In Not now. N- no, 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 not now. In 1999, Quentin Tarantino was approached to see if he could move things along. Wow. But that also came to nothing. Then the rights moved to New Line Cinema in 2000 with Ted Elliott, Terry Rossio, and Tim McCanley's writing okay. a screenplay. This God, version... What's this that? Has gone, this has gone through quite the journey, and we're not even at 2008 yet. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and that version even featured a cameo by Nick Fury. Then New Line Cinema started talking to Joss Whedon about directing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't pan out. By 2004, Nick Cassavetes was attached as a director. Uh-huh. But when that too failed, the rights reverted back to Marvel. God. Wow. What a roller coaster ride. Hey, what the fuck was with everyone trying to make Nick Cage a superhero? Like, they did it in one scenario, <laughs> but like Iron Man, <laughs> Superman in that super weird suit with long hair. Uh huh. And then eventually we got Ghost Rider, and that turned out fucking great. <laughs> really, really good. Especially that second one. Uh, yeah, one of the few like comic book movies I can say that I've never seen. What a shame. You should totally. I should fix that. You should fix that right away. Yep. We'll do a spin-off uh, podcast of this podcast for non-MCU Marvel movies. <laughs> uh, as we all know, uh, this is the first uh, Marvel um, 
produced uh, Marvel movie. Uh, uh, it was before the, there was even a Marvel Studios, correct? Uh, basically, what uh, this was the first in a planned six picture deal between Marvel and Paramount mm-hmm. uh, before the acquisition of Marvel by Disney. Which transferred the distribution rights of the uh, Avengers and Iron Man three to Disney, while Paramount kept the rights to Iron Man two, Thor, and Captain America: The First Avenger until those rights also were acquired by Disney. Uh-huh. Um, Fascinating. And uh, basically, Marvel became Marvel Entertainment instead of just Marvel Comics. Yep, that tracks. Because they were making movies. I. I- feel like the movies probably made them more money than the comics. Uh, comics these days, I I would don't say so. Make a lot of money. Yeah, not not these days. How many times has Marvel almost gone bankrupt? Did they being, actually go bankrupt? They got very, extremely close. So there's a, a good story here that I'll get to. Um, okay, so yeah, so John Favreau mm-hmm. um, said that when making the film, there was a lot of pressure for it to succeed. This was particularly due to Marvel using their characters as collateral when they received a $525 million seven-year deal called a non-recourse debt facility, allowing them to make original films based on their properties. Marvel wanted to have complete creative control over their characters, build a film library, and greater profit potential than the deals they've inked with other studios owning the film rights to their characters. Which, hey, that worked out pretty well for them. (laughs) Marvel also changed its name to Marvel Entertainment Incorporated to establish a Hollywood presence. If the film didn't succeed, Marvel would have lost the intellectual property rights to their entire library. However, the wager paid off as Iron Man's box office success enabled Marvel to kick off an entire MCU. So, in, in the event that Iron Man had flopped, who do those rights go to? Do they just go uh, up for grabs? That's a great question. I don't know. Um, That's a fucking wild alternate universe that exists somewhere out there. Alongside, it's possible you that, know, Nick, Nick Cage's Iron Man and also Tom Cruise's Iron Man. Yeah, it's possible that just those rights would just be purchased by whoever wants them, I guess. Crazy, um, crazy possibilities. Hey, you reckon if uh, Tom Cruise had gotten to be Iron Man... They would have somehow mm. made a way for him to fly an actual Iron Man suit because he seems like the kind of guy that's crazy <laughs> enough and stubborn enough to not want to do a movie until they let him fly the suit. I'd love to see. I would I love mean, to see. There's only so, so many ways that man can get an erection now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would love to just to see them try or something, and then you you like hear on the news like Tom Cruise killed in <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> They used the Tom Cruise footage in uh, Iron Man 2 for that one <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Jumping the gun here, but fuck. Uh, so, uh, John Favreau obviously was hired to direct the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wanted Robert Downey Jr. He was he was inspired to, to cast Robert Downey Jr. because of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Because that was his like big comeback movie. And it was a very good movie. A very good movie, directed by Shane Black, who went on to make Iron Man 3. Uh, um, it's all connected. It's all connected. Uh, now, the interesting thing about the actual production of the movie is that the script was not completely finished when filming began. 
since the filmmakers were more focused on the story and the action, so the dialogue was mostly ad-libbed throughout the filming. Uh, Director John Favreau... Mm -hmm. You can kind of... like. I wouldn't be able to tell you that that was the case if you hadn't told me. But now that you've told me, I'm like, you know what? I can buy that. That's I really feel it reasonable. I really feel it in the um, Tony and Pepper scenes. They're sort of bickering back and forth. Yeah, the way and they like like she's sort of caught off guard by a lot of the weird shit that he says, and the weird shit that he says is yes. really like off the cuff sort of stuff. Uh huh. Um. Director John Favreau acknowledged this made the film feel more natural. Some scenes were shot with two cameras to capture lines improvised on the spot. Robert Downey Jr. would ask for many takes of one scene since he wanted to try something new. Gwyneth Paltrow, on the other hand, had a difficult time trying to match Downey with a suitable line as she never knew what he would say. I I think that works for the character. Uh, Pepper seems like the kind of person who might get flustered at least early on by uh, Tony's, Mm -hmm. you know whole deal yes fun fact rachel mcadams was john favreau's first choice to play pepper Potts, but she turned the role down later playing christine palmer in dr strange huh we really is all connected (laughs) hollywood it's just one big incestuous thing i had i'm sure sure i had a metaphor going there but then i just my brain stopped a small world, after all. Don't, do you want to get sued? Yes. Although originally planned as a completely digital suit, the Stan Winston Studio Iron Man team built a real Mark I suit that wound, wound up perf- performing over 80% of the Mark I shots in the final film. From first film test to flamethrowers blazing real fire, the Mark One suit was a pivotal creation that would set the tone for the Iron Man franchise's fantastic blend of both digital and practical techniques to bring Tony Stark's armor to life. And this was the last film Stan Winston completed before his death in 2008. You don't say. Um, it is interesting that they would actually go ahead and make a, um, a physical suit. Because, um, you know, two years later, I want to say, Green Lantern would come out with a completely digital suit. A suit that would (laughs) be much, much easier to make and act in. And it was Mm -hmm. just horrible. Just the worst. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the suit is... Yeah, okay, the Green Lantern suit is pretty bad. It's rough. Like, for something that you could have just put green spandex on a guy... I, mm, it's not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then so the I'll Iron say, Man if you... is this big chunky thing that has like mass and like that it's it's got stuff going on. <laughs> that one yeah. I could totally understand if they just made it CG. Yes. Just want to say if you can hear my daughter crying in the background, um, she has a mother. <laughs> She's being taken care of. I promise. <clears throat> Uh, so let's now, but that's, you know, that's most of the trivia. Let's get to the movie now. Talking about the movie. The Iron Man. This, uh, this plot synopsis rundown comes from (coughs) marvelcinematicuniverse.fandom.com. Because of course it does. Only the highest quality sources on our podcast. Exactly. 
Uh, I will say it doesn't sort of go in depth a bit. Some like it doesn't tell you scene by scene. It, it's it's very. Um, I feel like you condensed. don't really want that though, because you could just go read a fucking comic or watch the movie if you want a scene by scene rundown. Yes, exactly. Playboy and visionary industrial genius Tony Stark, CEO of leading military defense contractor Stark Industries, is in war-torn Kunar, Afghanistan, to demonstrate his company's new Jericho missile. With him is his friend and military liaison, Lieutenant Colonel James Rhodes, a member of the U.S. Air Force. You're just going to read this verbatim? Yes. Okay, fantastic. I love this. While riding in a transport convoy, Stark is critically wounded in an ambush and held captive in a cave by the Ten Rings. Spooky. Is what this says. Yep. The Ten Rings. That is correct. 100% the Ten Rings. Yep. Where else could the... Where, uh, where, how, how could it not be? I mean, they've got the logo and everything. They, they, exactly. they say the word Ten Ring. They say the words Ten Rings quite a lot. They sure do. An electromagnet built by fellow captive Ho Yinsen. Yinsen. Henceforth referred to as Yinsen. Yeah, exactly. Um, keeps the shrapnel that wounded Stark from reaching his heart and killing him. The Ten Rings leader, is it Raza? I don't actually know. I'm not sure if his name is ever said. Uh... That's what I'm thinking. In the film itself. And if it is, I think it's said in a language that is not English. So it kind of get, it gets lost in one of the many, many languages mm. that that terrorist organization uses. Yeah, they do speak a lot of languages. They, they go out of their way well. to call it out as like some people speak Hungarian, Urdu, Russian. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> They're not uh, anyway. Middle Eastern. No. Um... Raza offers Stark freedom. In exchange, Stark must build a Jericho missile for the terrorists. Stark and Yinsen agree that Raza will not keep his word of letting Stark live. Yep. What a what, what a great happens. point to make. Um. So let's just let's just talk. Let's just talk about notes and stuff. He um up until this point uh from the first scene, I feel like Tony Stark. You like instantly love and hate him. Uh, oh yeah, he's got a real um, lovable roguishness to him. He's mm-hmm. clearly like a womanizing dirtbag. Yes. But also, like it's kind of hard to hate someone with that much charisma. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's um, you know talking with the troops, having a good time. He's making jokes. They're listening to Back in Black in the Humvee, and it's great. Um. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, no, things go real bad real fast. They do. Uh, and then uh, the, the second scene, you know, after the explosion, we get like a flashback. And then that kind of cements him as as an, a lovable asshole in that, you know, he doesn't show up to the award ceremony. I will just... say, though, the award ceremony is a fantastic little uh, device that they use as a way of being like, here's who Tony Stark is. Now that we've got that out of the way, he's <laughs> right. Like we don't yeah. have to go through Batman's parents being murdered again. It's, it's just, very good. This is Tony Stark. Here's what his deal is. Oh, look, he's gambling instead of attending this thing. Mm. You know who the character is now. It's great. Uh, 
some of the photos they use for young Tony Stark are fucking horrifying though. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's one of him on a bike with uh, his dad, and he looks like the meowing child from The Ring, and it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've written here, it's odd that the first movie in the MCU is not set in New York City. That is weird. New York really is, like, the Marvel city. Mm-hmm. Uh, considering, like, it mostly uses real-world locations rather than DC's, like, Metropolis and Gotham. Yes. Um, and this is, what, California? Um, Miami? Oh, yeah, yeah, because he lives on uh, Malibu, right? Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, so it mostly takes place in Malibu uh, yeah. and also the Middle East. <laughs> Two very different places. not New York. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just... A lot of sand. A lot of sand. Too much sand, really. Gets uh, Pepper's, uh Pepper and Tony's uh, chemistry uh, is great. The... Uh, the first scene to their first scene together and she's like saying it's a birthday and uh she she bought him a dress and uh no she he, doesn't, he bought her doesn't say what it is he uh, bought her a dress is what i meant to say but like yeah, he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't know about it she bought a dress for herself on his behalf yes and she's like oh yeah no you got me something really nice really tasteful and he's just like oh good <laughs> Uh, and uh, like sleeping with a reporter. Yes. After sleeping with the reporter, which yes, we, we were getting that womanizing, uh, the playboy billionaire philanthropist in here. You also do get a little bit of Pepper being like, oh, she's not just his assistant. She like is kind of his friend, I guess. Yes. But also like she knows how to handle herself and also she knows how to take out the trash as she Mm -hmm. very delicately puts it. (laughs) It's a great line. We also um, hear a very boring AI voice for Jarvis. Um, yeah. Fuck, what's the actor's name? Uh, fuck. Uh, I had it. Wait. Yeah, I was literally watching The Assembled for WandaVision the other day. And I oh, cannot. my God. Uh, I almost had it. <laughs> fuck. Uh, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, married to Jennifer Connelly. Who, like... During an interview for, I think it was the special features for this, or maybe it was for the One Division assembled, notes that John Fav- John Favreau wanted a fucking a very boring characterless voice for the AI. <laughs> right, Paul Bettany. I have heard that story. Yes, um, that's good. Yeah, he's, uh, apparently he recorded all of his dialogue in two hours and was paid very well for it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I imagine that'd be a very profitable two hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've written down here, the fact that a lot of the dialogue wasn't pre-written makes the scenes where Pepper and Tony are bickering more natural and real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the pole dancing on the plane scene would happen in today's MCU? No, but I also don't think it would happen with... Like, it, a, a lot of that is also just, like, Tony's progression as a character throughout the MCU. He's he's definitely a lot less of a womanizing playboy scumbag. Yeah. Um, but say that hadn't happened, I don't know if it would because, you know, Disney. True. Pole dances ah. is not really a thing that I expect Disney to acknowledge, you know? 
<laughs> I don't know. Eternals had a had a scene. Yeah, it did, but it's been tame. <laughs> not for not for the MCU. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, uh, can we talk about Terrence Howard? Okay, let's talk about Terrence Howard. So Terrence Howard is cast as uh, Colonel Rhodes in this. Rhodey. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of him as a James Rhodes? I think he's he did a good job. Like I think he could have been cool in the rest of the series. Yeah, um, I, I think he's decent. I definitely think that he fits the role more than you know the actor who would replace him in Iron Man Two, which yeah. we'll talk about next week, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, it's oh no, next week is the Incredible Hulk. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. No. Sure. We'll talk about it in a fortnight <coughs> then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. He, he's a decent Rhodes. I feel like he's definitely got the build that I expect for yes. uh, James Rhodes, whereas Don mm-hmm. Cheadle's a much lankier dude. He's also... Yeah. Don Cheadle's way cooler <laughs> than Terrence Howard. I agree. And I don't think of, like, War Machine slash uh, James Rhodes as a cool character right he's, he's a professional he's a soldier mm-hmm. but yeah yeah it's just i, I, yeah, I like, often wonder about the the war machine that we could have had <laughs> sure i think he could have been really cool but um yeah i like i like don Cheadle too yeah i like don Cheadle better as an actor overall but i'm not sure he yeah. fits the role quite as well no yeah I, I would agree with that um and then we get uh, sort of the uh, we we catch back up to the explosion and everything. Um, we get to uh, see just the most horrifying uh, montage of cave surgery. Yes, uh, I put real rough. I put the scene where he wakes up and pulls a tube out of his nose is still gross as fuck. <laughs> it's true. It is really gross, and also just. Being in that cave with like all the wires coming out of him—that's some goddamn backyard surgery that they do to him. Mm-hmm. Got a fucking car battery leading into his chest. <laughs> I've written after that. I've written that chest magnet is is also gross as fuck. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> and like, I can't believe they went that hard on goddamn Iron Man. But I guess like, considering how much was tied up in it, you had to go hard, or you were literally going home with nothing. <laughs> Exactly. Um, do you think... Who, who would these terrorists be in 2022? 20, would who these would be... be... Like, would they be the Ten Rings? No, I mean, would they be um, cave-dwelling... Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Um, I think... In this day and age, they would be a more... Very clearly multi-ethnic... Terrorist yes. group of no particular uh, country of origin. Mm-hmm. That said, I still think they go way more out of their way to be like they're not just they're not just Afghan, okay? Right. There, there are there's Hungarians in there. <laughs> they they speak Urdu, then Russian, and there's everyone. Everyone is here. It's a it is a team of mul- <laughs> it is a team of varied backgrounds, religions. In fact, no religions. <laughs> Um, I don't know. They go out of their way to be like, no, the Ten Rings is not affiliated with anyone. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. 
Um, do you think, considering what we know about the MCU in 2022, mm-hmm. uh, that this Ten Rings is explicitly connected to the Ten Rings we see later? Or do you think no, it's offshoot? I think, yeah, I think this is, yeah. I don't like think this is in any way involved. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe like a rogue thing. I, I'm sure they would like us all to forget that there's any ten oh, rings in this forget. movie at all. I can never forget. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. I was, uh, when I remember, like while I was watching this, I remembered uh, back to when the first trailers would come out and how they used Iron Man with like the song, the Black Sabbath song. Mm-hmm. with um the mark one busting out of the cave yeah and i remember seeing like 10 10 rings imagery on the flags and shit and just being like oh my god they're actually doing it which <laughs> one of them's the mandarin uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah little did i know um well he's no, a fun i think fa- it's really cool that the 10 rings are there and even if it isn't like uh, an endorsed group by the quote-unquote mandarin uh whether that's iron man 3 mandarin or Shang-Chi Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really cool. Here's a fun fact for you. The first three uh, Iron Man movie... Wait, what? For the first three Iron Man movies, director John Favreau thought of making the Iron Monger the main villain of the second film. Stane was going to be Stark's friend and confident in the first film, mm-hmm. but then would become his enemy in the second film. However, Favreau was worried how to handle the Mandarin, who was to be, who was to be the main villain of the first film, so he decided to rework the character into a behind-the-scenes presence and make Ironmonger the first villain. Yeah, you know what? Considering the pacing of the film and uh, how quickly things ramp up, which we'll talk about later, Yeah, I, I think that shows, that definitely mm-hmm. shows. But also, the question of how to approach the Mandarin in the modern day has been visited t- at least twice in the MCU now. Yep. And I think both times they've kind of knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. I um, would agree with that. I know some people would disagree, at least with one of them. Yes. But um, yeah, how do you make a character that's so deeply entrenched in like Asian mysticism and racism Yes. in the modern day? And the answer is, for Iron Man 1, you fucking don't. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just, he's behind the scene. Don't nobody pay attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, so let's go back to the uh, synopsis here. Mm-hmm. While pretending to work on the missile, Stark <laughs> yes. and Ninsen secretly build a powerful electric generator called an arc reactor to power Stark's electromagnet. And they do more cave surgery, which is shown off screen, I suppose. I remember them yeah. making the arc reactor, but now searching through my brain, I'm like, I don't remember seeing them put it in, which I don't need to see. Well, you, no, you don't see them put it in, that. but there's like, um, it's like off screen footage, like it's footage of like a video. From- oh yeah, yeah, it's those guys watching the CCTV footage. Yeah, and you like you see it glowing, and he stands up and. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The thing I remember most is them like pouring the uh, the element to set right. the metal ring. Yep. Uh, they then begin to build a powered suit of armor designed by Stark to help them escape. The Ten Rings ambush the workshop when they discover Stark's plan, but Yinsen sacrifices himself to distract them while to distract them while Stark's suit powers up. Using the armored suit, Stark fights his way out of the cave to find a mortally wounded Yinsen, 
who reassures Stark and urges him to continue his escape and not waste his life. An enraged Stark leaves the cave, burns the terrorist stockpile of Stark Industries-produced weapons, and flies away. Having escaped, Stark crashes in the desert, which destroys the suit. Now, I I have some notes. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone watching Tony invent the suit is a dumbass. <laughs> yes. There is literally, there's a shot of him and, um, Raza sees it, uh, where he's like controlling the legs. <laughs> he's got, he's got like wires and a sensor and like, he's got this apparatus strapped to his leg and he's flexing his knee <laughs> and there is like a servo on the bench mimicking the thing. And the Ten Rings leader is just like, oh, that's some missile. <laughs> that's Wonder a good what part fucking of the missile. missile that is. Don't know what part that is, but the fuck yeah. sprouts legs and runs after people and kicks them. <laughs> but like, there's that, and then there's the other members of the group watching the thing. And they're like, no, no, he's not. He's not building a missile. And he's like, yeah, he is. Look, it's that bit. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? And the guy's like, no, no, it's just, it's just backwards. It's just backwards. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, everyone's an idiot. <laughs> Everyone is such a dumbass. But, like, uh. specifically the leader looking at him, just flexing his knee. Like, what did you think that was, guy? What did you think this was for? <laughs> did you think? Did you think? <laughs> so the the music here is really great when uh, he's building the suit. Yeah. Um, which also another note there, uh, Robert Downey Jr. just got in shape for the hammering shot, huh? Yes, absolutely. That is, he is like, that is maybe the best shape I've ever seen him in, and it's just for that one shot, <laughs> like all grimy and sweaty and hammering the thing. I'm like, hell yeah, guy! Look at you. Um, I got uh, so apparently uh, Harry Gregson Williams was going to be the composer for this movie. Yo. Yeah. Oh my god. What a wasted opportunity. I fucking know. There, um, there is only one other like sub-franchise within within the MCU where I'm like, Harry Gregson Williams would fucking destroy with this mm-hmm. franchise, and it's Captain America. Hell yeah. Um for people who don't know uh Harry Gregson Williams uh conducted the Metal Gear soundtracks. Metal Gear. And they're very fucking good. But, um, yeah, during this scene where they're building the suit, I definitely got Harry Gregson William vibes. Yeah. No, I, I could, I could, I can tell what you mean. Yeah. I understand what you're getting at. I mean, it's not as cool, but there's vibes. It's like, they're going for that. Now, during the escape, is this, is that the bit with like the, there's the electric guitar riff going under it and it's like, dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some good shit. People talk about how the MCU has no like iconic music. I feel like Iron Man one does pretty good. Iron Man's pretty good. Even discounting like the licensed music, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good, good shit. Uh, we've got the scene with uh, Jensen and Tony um talking and uh, you make making Tony more likable and less of an asshole. Uh, Pointing out, uh, Jensen pointing out that he's a man who has everything and nothing. Yeah, yeah, and kind of instilling a bit of sympathy for the guy who has everything. Yes, and uh, and then they, um, the Ten Rings come in 
and they're like they're gonna like torture Jensen. And, oh yes, um, Aka Jericho. Yes, Aka Jericho, and uh, Tony stops them and says, uh, "I need him. A good assistant. He's a good assistant." Um, which which is the beginning of Tony's sort of um, being a bit more selfless. Selfless, but also like he doesn't want to show that. Like he he doesn't want to show that he cares more than he does. A show. Yeah, yeah, no. You know what I mean? He doesn't want to look like he cares. Yeah, exactly. Gotta be he's too cool to look like he cares. <laughs> yeah. Even though he's fucking becomes Iron Man and saves the world. Well, yeah, I mean he he may have like the, the armor on once he's Iron Man, but he's always got a little bit of protection around his heart. Can't get too close. Exactly. Uh then I put then that instant clang as the music kicks in and he starts hammering away at the helmet. It's so the money badass. <laughs> Um, I want to just say, <laughs> so they, they're starting to put the suit on mm-hmm. and, uh, Tony, um, is like, tells Jensen like to start typing away on the, on the computer to like start the suit up. Mm-hmm. He, he says function 11. Nobody calls F11 function <laughs> 11. Nobody's ever called it that. Hey man, I'm not some sort of tech genius. I don't know what they do with their time. Maybe nobody's, maybe they do. Maybe they do call it function. Nobody's 11. ever looked at F eleven and gone, oh, that's function eleven. You know, I know. So I knew somewhere deep down that the Fs were function. But if you had asked me what the Fs in the F eleven F one all of those stood for on the spot, I would have blanked for at least a minute, just be like, fuck, fuck, uh, fuck, <laughs> fuck eleven, fuck eleven, shit. <laughs> Um, uh, Jensen dying fucking sucks. Yeah, but I mean, I, I feel like a lot of stories you need to introduce the heart only to rip it out, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, God, how fucking cool is the Mark One? The Mark One's really cool. The um, I put here the slow reveal of Mark One from the darkness to the hero shot where it turns around and the music plays. It's very, mm-hmm. very, very cool. Um. And I've also put, this was also the point where you knew Stark doesn't mind killing a bitch. He ain't no Batman. <laughs> yeah, no, he murks some guys real hard. Yeah. Also, one guy murks himself real hard by shooting. Okay, so there's yes. a bit where Stark is like stuck in a wall after he's gone to like hook a guy with uh-huh. his big metal fist. He gets stuck and one of the terrorists runs up, takes aim really carefully at his protected skull. And shoots him with a pistol, which the bullet then ricochets back and hits him in the head, presumably. It's all yeah. very bloodless, but his hat flies off and he yeah. dies. I've put, that guy shot himself in the head. God, he really did. But like, he's stuck. You could have you could have just stabbed him. You could have strangled him. I mean, there are like gaps around that armor. <laughs> you could have fit the gun in that gap between his <laughs> helmet and his shoulder. <laughs> It's very funny. Instead, you chose to shoot the helmet point blank. Um, Idiots! They thought the uh, missile had legs! (laughs) (laughs) You thought the missile had legs? Oh, that's great. Um, (laughs) Flamethrower was a cool. Yes, flamethrower was a very cool. I'm pretty sure they're a war crime, 
but they are cool. <laughs> I don't think Tony cares at this point. No, but I feel like he knows. <laughs> he probably Definitely knows. Would yeah. know. Um, and uh, then I put crazy to see an MCU movie now after all these years that barely uses any CGI for the first forty minutes of the movie. Um, is the Jer- how how real is the Jericho explosion? <laughs> I'm said hardly any. Okay, no. <laughs> um, I, I, I do mean, want to know how they uh, how they did that because obviously there would be some practical effects there, surely. Just the the wind blowing just, the just dust. Just the wind. I guess I don't know. Um, I mean, just the wind and dust, I suppose. Like they threw yeah. a bag of dust into a fan. <laughs> and then I put even the helicopters are real <laughs> when they save him. <laughs> um. And any helicopters these days. Yeah, it's basically like it's the um the shot where the um reporter wakes up in the morning and like all the windows t- t- turn to the make it outside. <laughs> yeah, the I don't blinds know. go up pretty much. Yeah, yeah whatever. That that anyway, that happens and then I guess the the house is probably CG. At least then, parts of it. That yeah. fucking Thunderbirds Island looking house. <laughs> yeah. And uh, obviously the Jericho missile exploding. And then there's a few shots of Mark 1 that are CG. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. God. I just, you said Mark 1 and all I can think is the Mark 1 was so fucking cool. <laughs> Hell yeah, it is. I do love a big chunky bit of tech. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Um... So, okay, here we go. Uh, uh, we'll go back to the the thing. After being rescued by a search party, including Rhodes, Stark returns home. He calls a press conference to announce that his company will no longer, no longer manufacture weapons, having seen firsthand the strife that they cause in the wrong hands. Obadiah Stain, his father's old partner and the company's manager, informs Stark that this may ruin Stark Industries and his father's legacy. I mean, he kind of informs him there, I guess. Kind of. There's a lot going on in that scene. Many, many reporters yelling out for questions, and then Obadiah's <laughs> just sort of in Tony's ear as he's leaving. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to get that out of it. So, uh, Tony gets in the limo, and uh, talking about how he wants cheeseburgers and stuff. Mm-hmm. He calls Happy Hogan. Yeah. And I'm wondering yeah, I'm is sure that he actually like, refers to him as happy at any point during this film? I'm wondering if that's like the only time he hasn't been called happy in the MCU. I wonder if that's like this is the first movie we can't we can't have a character called happy. That's just fucking weird. <laughs> People will not believe that for a second. <laughs> Maybe. Although I mean it's not the MCU, but it is a Marvel film, and I'm pretty sure it was before Iron Man. Was Daredevil before Iron Man? Absolutely. So, isn't John Favreau in that as well? Yes. Isn't he playing a, a similarly stupidly named character? He's the, the Foggy friend. Foggy Nelson? Yes, yeah, Foggy. Foggy. Yeah. Foggy's not a name. <laughs> the thing that ruined Daredevil was Foggy. They should have just <laughs> called him Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what the mcu needs it's more evanescence hell yes i agree <laughs> i know that you're being serious about that too yeah i am 
Wake me up inside, uh, please. Maybe, maybe Blade. Maybe we'll get some evidence of Blade. Oh, I hope so. Nah, but Blade will just have like you know rave music. Mm-hmm. Like he oh. does. Yeah, that's true. Um, so a note about the uh the press conference. Mm-hmm. It's our first sighting of Agent Phil Coulson. Yeah, I put. I've just put. Hey, remember Coulson? I do. I could never forget. He was always like kind of fun. Um, yeah. And also the first mention of Shield, although it's strategic homeland intelligence, etc. In, is it intelligence or intervention? I think it's intervention in the MCU. I think it might be intelligence in the comics. I know yeah. there is a, a difference between the there, two. Yes. Well, it's even been it's been had a few names in the comics too. Yeah. Um, yeah. First mention of Shield. Uh, mm-hmm. which who who could have guessed how big that would become yeah they've uh they've definitely expanded upon uh shield over the years um <laughs> my next oh i put uh i miss pepper's freckles she just lost them after this movie yeah. okay cool i pointed this out to lauren as i was watching i'm like does gwyneth paltrow have like more freckles in this than mm-hmm. in later movies and she's we're both just staring at this freeze frame of the movie. She's like, <laughs> I think she does. Yes. What's up with that? <laughs> They've just put more makeup on her in the in the later movies, but like um the the scene where they're at the whatever the event is at Oh, when she's in the dress in the Yeah, like, like she's wearing more makeup there and, and you can't see the freckles as well mm-hmm. in that scene. But um, I, I'd say they're still much more prominent in that scene than any other mcu film after this yeah it's uh yeah it's, it's actually weird. noticeable yeah um and then my next thing is just this is a fun time i want them to make more movies like this <laughs> i like this movie it's a good thing they did make more movies like this i don't know this is i don't know there's something about this first one especially like with the dialogue yeah okay no that there's nothing quite like um ad lib rdg mm-hmm just something I mean, about it. I, I feel like it set a tone for the MCU, which has more or less carried on throughout. There's been a couple of dips in that tone, but mm-hmm. if anything, we've gotten more "quote unquote" fun as time has gone on. Yeah. Um. And then uh, I've written. Uh, I feel like Obadiah needed more to do up until this point. Yep. Yeah, um. Because the movie is focused so so much on like introducing Tony and then having the inciting incident that causes Tony to become Iron Man, it kind of, you kind of don't have the real estate for anyone else. Mm-hmm. That said, if you're gonna have your villain be there, like in the hero's everyday life, you probably should, you know have them be a bit more prominent. Even if it was just at the uh, award ceremony, you, sh- you see him once, I think. Yep. Like he accepts the award for Tony and then yes. uh, you don't see him again until Tony comes back from being captured. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But this, the scene you see him in after the press conference, he rolls up on a goddamn Segway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's just Stain's Segway with three mm. exclamation marks. <laughs> It's very funny to me. Uh, this is the scene where he also gets a good look at 
Tony's Muark reactor in his chest. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. He's I, very excited about it. He's very excited about it. It is, I don't think it's uh, overstating this, but I think that Jeff Bridges is surprisingly good in the role. Yeah. Uh, I, at some point I, I start to say, oh yeah, he's, he's, Jeff Bridges should have stuck around for a while. He's pretty cool. Yeah, I was watching this again, and I see the final battle, and I'm like, he could have survived that. Let's bring him back for a bit. Yeah, exactly. Why not? They should bring him back, but it's been a while. He's still acting, though. So. Well, yeah, of course, but I'm like, just saying. Oh, I'm sorry. Natalie Portman came back. She sure did. It had but, been a while. But it's been less long. Yeah, but not that much less. Unless you count uh, Endgame, I guess. Uh, well, she wasn't really in Endgame, so... Mm, her name was in the credits. <laughs> is it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure she is in that. It's just like a very quick passing shot as they revisit Thor 2, but this is... we're getting. Oh, uh, they probably reuse footage. Maybe, but it was at a different angle... So it was probably footage that they had on hand. Cut, but cut, cut out or something. My point being, like, Thor The Dark World wasn't that long after Iron Man 1, relatively speaking. Sure. If we brought her back, we can bring Jeff Bridges back. Hey, that Mad Money show is amazing, and I can't believe it's a real show that exists. Yeah, no, that's a real thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... I'm not in the stock market, so I guess I don't watch these things. Right. Uh, especially not in 2008 when I was still in high school. Um, yeah, that's a fun time. Uh, then they, they do the scene uh, where they have Pepper has to change the arc reactor over. Yes, 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 yes. In, uh, okay, so maybe you know the details regarding this, but... Mm-hmm. For that scene, I'm pretty sure Robert Downey Jr.'s head is poking up through a bed with like a prosthetic chest on it. Yes, and I've written here uh, this um, another good example of practical effects. Here. Yeah, yeah, it, it's like it's a bit awkward that the camera sticks in that one angle for that long, but right. it's to facilitate the really good prosthetic chest, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and also a really great gross scene. <laughs> Yes, and also the again the natural dialogue between them uh, is really good. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like that's one of the standouts of yeah. You can kind of tell this is unscripted, but it's also great. Yes, and then so here's a question: she plugs she plugs the new one in and and it like shocks him or something. I, did that shock him to life? Like what did what did what happens? Like, what the fuck happens? Well, I mean, she removes the electromagnetic... Oh, she removes the electromagnet at the end of the bad yes. one when she takes it out. And she's not supposed to. Um, I guess... And he goes into cardiac arrest. Magnet kicking back in on the new one? <laughs> I don't... I'm not a just, doctor and this is it's bullshit just a weird, it's just, to begin with. It's really weird. It's just like it just plugs it in and he just goes... Rah! Like he gets sudden like power. Or something. It's really strange. Well, I mean, it's a fucking <coughs> uh, arc reactor in his chest. I imagine it would give him a bit of a fucking boost. Yeah, I guess. It's like downing a fucking six-pack of Red Bull all at once. <laughs> sure. Um, so they, they go from there. They do a, they do a wipe. 
to the back to the desert. Yep. Uh, I've Who doesn't here, love a good wipe? I, I've Who written here. Just likes a good wipe. That's right. I've written here. Favreau getting ready for his future Star Wars life with that wipe <laughs> effect, going from Tony at home to the terrorists in the desert and back to Tony working on Mark Two. Amazing. Uh, the the Ten Rings leaders goggles are fucking cool. They are cool. <laughs> That's all I have those. to add about that scene. Okay. <laughs> they find the helmet. Mm, yeah. yeah it's weird that like of all the stuff that they're searching the sands for the helmet's the thing that they're like oh, i found something and it's like that's just a bit of metal it's got <laughs> it's, fucking nothing in it it's all bits of metal really are idiots <laughs> <laughs> there's no components in this you could just make a mask <laughs> and meanwhile uh... goggle man's looking at it like yes this is the key to it all we had all the other bits but it doesn't work without <laughs> finally <the paper. laughs> finally the last piece it's, that makes this all possible it's not the silliest thing that he's said or done in this movie and it like there's still something coming later that will top it okay all right uh in his home workshop stark spends the next few months building an improved version of his suit as well as a more powerful arc reactor for his chest at stark's first public appearance after his return Christine Everhart informs him that Stark Industries' weapons, including the Jericho missile, were recently delivered to the Ten Rings and are being used to attack Gilmira. Which is Yinsen's... where uh, Yinsen's from. Yes. Oh, oh it says village. it in the synopsis. It does. Stark confronts Stain about the supplied weapons and learns that Stain is trying to replace him as head of the company. There is so much more like corporate espionage stuff going on in this film compared to the other two Iron Man films. Like yeah. There's a bit in Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. There's none in Iron Man 3 because Iron no. Man 3 is all about dealing with Tony's PTSD. Yes, exactly. Um, and I, I kind of like it. It, it's, it sets a very unique tone amongst the MCU where you don't really get a lot of corporate espionage. Mm-hmm. I think um, um, like Ant-Man has a bit of it. Yeah. yeah some I think of that's that. it. I think that's about it. I, um, I, f- I feel like the um, tonally, this movie isn't as jokey as, as some of the later uh, MCU movies. Oh, no, it definitely gets more quote unquote fun as we go. <laughs> sure. Um, I just want to, but that I've written here the first straight up broad comedic moment with the first test flight hitting the wall, getting sprayed by the robot. That's sort of the first big, like, yeah, it's definitely funny the, thing the, to happen in the movie. It is definitely the first thing that elicited a big, like, genuine laugh out loud moment <laughs> yeah um because like all of tony's quippy stuff it feels very natural it's funny but it's not like haha i'm gonna like focus on that and laugh at it it's not right. a dedicated joke it's just banter yes um, i feel like the jokes sort of kicked in after avengers after joss whedon's sort of writing got its yeah i guess uh man the whole fucking the hud thing inside the helmet that was genius yes it's so good are very cool and they look like what tony's heads up display looks like in the comics a lot of the time yeah they um they did extremely well like replicating that and uh yeah it's great that they kept that for the whole time iron man was in the movies yeah uh that has god when did Endgame come out 2020? 
2019. Okay, so 11, 11, 12-ish years that stuck around. That's that's how you know it's good. They didn't just yeah. replace it with something better because there wasn't anything better. Exactly. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're halfway through the movie. Uh, and I, I love that he doesn't make his first real suit that can fly until halfway through the movie. Like, Yeah, there's spend, a real progression. Yeah. They spend so much time concentrating on character and story that it gives the suit and Tony's ability to create it more weight. And the fact that the flight goes well makes the fact that he falls through the roof at the end of the scene funnier. Excellent yeah. timing on that joke. The highest then, highs, the lowest lows. They fucked up that Cobra. I hope it wasn't a real one. Yeah, no, they really fuck up that car. And also oh. during one of the test flights, he like hovers over and melts the shit out of some of them. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, they they spend a lot of time on those test flights, but uh, they are fucking great. You mentioned during the synopsis that this is over the course of a few months. Do we know exactly how long? No. Because like, I could not tell you how long Tony had been home from being in captivity uh, by that point. I assume no idea. months, but it also felt like it could have been a week and I would have yeah, exactly. that. No idea. Um, we get our first Stanley cameo in the MCU, at least, um, as as Hef. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. It's Is he just credited as Hef? Yeah, well I well I haven't checked the credits, but you know, Tony just says Hef. So that that happens. He doesn't say anything, he's just there. He just smoking gets a pipe. to be there. Just gets to be there. Um Again with that natural dialogue between Pepper and Tony on the balcony after the dance and the uh, the the not kiss that almost happened. Um yep. good stuff. And I really feel like Obadiah needed more scenes before now to make the heel turn more impactful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, you, you spend so little time with him as, like, a an ally of Stark that, like, when the knife goes in and turns, it's like, why don't we just start with you as a bad guy? Yeah, exactly. Um, did you know that Stan Lee named this cameo as his favorite at like, did he? Yeah. So, well, out of, out of this film and all the non MCU films that he did. Oh, okay. Which fair enough. It's tasteful. He doesn't have to do a whole lot. Um, (laughs) Now, is this the point where uh, Obadiah has gone and seen the Ten Rings people? No, that happens in a little bit. Okay. So, enraged, Stark dons his new armor. That's right. Yep. Which I've put, yes, Mark II, let's go. Nope, that's the Mark III. Fuck. Because it's the, it's the red and gold one, yeah? Yeah, it is Mark III. Yep. Anyway. Enraged, uh, Stark dons his new armor, flies to Afghanistan, where he saves the citizens of Gilmira from the Ten Rings' wrath while flying home. Oh, uh, also, I've put... Uh, he murdered people in the beginning, but a lot of those seemed incidental. He just straight up assassinates nine people here and nobody gives a fuck, and he leaves that one guy to the people. What the fuck are they going to do to him? Beat the shit out of him? What are you... 
Why would they not? He was telling them to get shot. Like, okay, I feel like people definitely give a shit that he came in and killed those people because the people who were about to get killed by the people he killed probably feel great about it. Not gonna lie. I'd feel pretty good about it. Sure. Like, holy shit, I was gonna die, then this metal man flew down from the sky and (laughs) murdered them. I must be blessed. Uh, and then he gets nailed by a tank shell. <laughs> Tony's pretty great. So, so <coughs> Tony cops a tank shell, what appears to be like either directly in the face or center mass. Mm-hmm. Who is firing from that tank to shoot him in midair? Because that is a hell of a shot. Don't know. Obviously, um, they can't. They're not gonna. They're not a good shot anymore. No, they're fucking dead. But that is, that is also another good gag of they shoot the, the tank shell, he dodges, he fires mm-hmm. back a puny little missile. little tiny. And then like, starts <laughs> yeah. to walk away from the explosion like a cool guy. It's really good. Um, I feel like that's one of the few times we see the suit walking. Yeah. Like just yeah. for the effect of cool guys don't look at <laughs> right. explosions. Just walks really coolly. He could just could have just flown away, but he's... Yeah. No, I'm just gonna do a walk. You could have been halfway home by the time that missile hit and then exploded. <laughs> but now I gotta walk away. <laughs> While flying home, Stark is engaged by two F-22 Raptors on behalf of the US Air Force. Mm-hmm. He phones Rhodes and reveals his identity in an attempt to call off the attack. I've put it's a shoot! <laughs> That's all you've put? It's a shoot! Uh, you sure. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, the Ten Rings gather the pieces of Stark's prototype suit. Raza seems, uh, meets with Stain and offers to exchange the suit with him. However, Stain has Raza and his faction eliminated, taking the suit for himself. Returning to Stark Industries, Stain orders his scientists to have a new suit reverse-engineered from the wreckage. Yep. So, gonna gonna call out some notes here. The first one is one that I messaged you about uh, while I was watching it. If you watch real close in the scene where Tony is, like, dogfighting with the Air Force pilots... Yep. In the control room for the Air Force, one of the guys on the, like, computers is Joshua Harto, who is the actor who played Coleman Reese in The Dark Knight. Okay, yes. You may not know the name Coleman Reese, but... He was the shitty Wayne Enterprises employee who's like, I'm going to reveal Batman as Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne. Her, her, her. But yeah, so split second uh, appearances on camera. And I don't know how my brain caught it, but I saw the face. I'm like, that's that fucking dirtbag. He wants to fucking reveal Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. How to get a job at the Air Force. <laughs> uh... Uh, the other thing is yep. during the meeting with uh, Obadiah Stane and Raza, uh, he, Raza mentions that Stark has perfected his Iron Man design. Now, <laughs> I will note that mm-hmm. at this point, this is the Mark III. Yes. That we would end Tony Stark's <laughs> time in the MCU at Mark 85. <laughs> perfected my ass, Raza. He perfected it, and then he just kept making it again and again. Like, we're, for we're at the point where the suit still needs the hands down by the side so he can float. 
Yes. And you'll notice that will disappear with time, I'm pretty sure. It does. Uh, that's funny. Um, Perfected. Oh my god, Obadiah is a bad guy now? What? Oh, oh, no, we knew that already. Because he literally told Tony to his face. Yeah, I don't know how we're supposed to react to him, like, having his PMCs murk the Ten Rings guys, because, like, mm-hmm. we already knew he was a bad guy. Well, that's the thing. He, that's the thing. Like, I felt up until now that um, he needed more time to... Uh, he needed more time to make the, the heel turn feel more impactful. Sure. Um, but this... Because... Raza and the Ten Rings had kind of been the bad, you know, kind of the bad guys up until now. Yeah. Having having him come in and, like, kill them all sort of escalated him above, escalated him above them and and then made him feel more impactful. He's the bad guy who's worse than the bad guy we had previously, so he must be the worst guy. Yeah, no, I understand the logic. Um, But... Like, it definitely works on the level of, like, oh, Obadiah Stane is, like, he's playing three-dimensional chess. He's he's thinking, like, three moves ahead of everyone else because he's got the Ten Rings uh, all murdered. He's way ahead of them, and now he's got Stark's thing, and so he's super smart, and he's got the stuff. He's going to be a big threat. I think it works on that level, but, like, I don't know. As far as, like, his morality goes, I'm like, well, we already knew it was evil, so him yeah. turning on the Ten Rings is like, yeah, whatever. It does more for his intelligence than for his morality. Yeah. For sure. Um, stained scientists reveal they cannot finish his suit as no one can manage to duplicate Stark's arc reactor. Now, that scientist specifically is in another movie correct he shows up later in the mcu no no i mean um oh before before this he's the kid from a christmas story that's what it is he's the stupid kid from a christmas story yes shoots his eye out with a bb gun (laughs) right um and would you like to say the line okay excuse me Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> if there is one thing I know about you and your tastes regarding the MCU, it's that this is one of your favorite lines. This is top. <laughs> but he is still one of the best lines in the entire MCU. And a lot of that is because of Bridges read on it. The A, a triple plus delivery. Yes. It's so good. Yeah, in a cave with a box of scraps is very, very good. Uh-huh. Um, he's very loud. He's very into it. He is. He loves it. He fucking loves it. <laughs> uh, Stain ambushes Stark at his home using a sonic taser to paralyze him and take his current arc reactor. Did you know that that's what that na- that thing is called? I didn't know that that's what it was called, but that is like the thing that he used on the Ten Rings people. Yes. So Sonic Taser. We we know we knew he had it. It was really a question of when the fuck is he gonna use this to get what he needs, because he clearly has it. Mm-hmm. Oh Stark- but he does use he does use a little like heated clamp thingy to take the arc reactor out of his yes. chest. 
so I'm this like, is did he build that specifically that's, for this that's exactly what i've got i've got what is that thing he rips the arc reactor from Tony's chest with? Did he make that just for that single purpose? Why is it so well made for a one-time use thing? So it, it turns out that's actually for coring apples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense then. Two uses. <laughs> just double use. line around the kitchen. He's like, you know what? I could use that. <laughs> you know, take a core out of an apple, take a core out of the stock. <laughs> Uh, left to die Tony Stark manages to crawl to his lab and saves himself by reusing his original arc reactor it's a real good thing that he blasted out the windows of his workshop yeah exactly (laughs) because there is no way he was standing up to put a code in (laughs) no um the robot really does does the saving here Uh, the robot helps him out gives him the because he's on the ground, he's like, he's just giving up, and the robot... Uh, like I said, couldn't stand up. Exactly. Robot that robot gives him is truly a hero. Without Did that, they... Without that robot, Thanos would have won. Exactly. Did they, um... Re... Rebox that after he used it again? To, for the end of Endgame? I, I guess so, because, like... He wouldn't be using the old one, so he would have gotten that replaced again once, you know, this movie was done. They were like, I'll do... Pepper was like, I'm going to put it back. Yeah, she's like, I, the joke was really good, though. <laughs> <laughs> the, the joke, joke was really you good, so... no heart, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> when you buy me the dress next time, you fuck. <laughs> uh... Potts and several S.H.I.E.L.D. agents attempt to arrest Stane, but he dons his suit and attacks them. I will say this has skipped a crucial part, which is Pepper going to Tony's office to get the files. It has. The files that, uh, you know, Stane has on... Wait, so Stane has the files, but they're on Tony's PC? (laughs) Because she goes to Tony's office, right? Yes. She's on Tony's PC and she gets the files. I guess they're on the network, you know... Why would anyone ever have really horrible, incriminating files in, like, a secure folder, not on a network? Uh, well, I mean, Tony purposely, at the when he starts working on the Iron Man suits, says that only he only wants to, he wants to keep it on his private server. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess this just means that uh, Stain is not that tech savvy he's a smart guy he's brilliant but he is not the brains behind any of the tech no barely use a computer i also miss this too Mm. um yeah so yeah so pepper goes to the office right yeah and she's looking at the files and Mm -hmm. she finds the video of like (laughs) yep you know what i'm gonna say (laughs) she finds the video and um the the guy's talking and she doesn't know what he's saying. There's a translate button. So she types in the word translate. Oh, she types it in. <laughs> yes. Okay. She types in the word translate and it translates. No, it, it literally translates the audio into English in and also, <laughs> also keeps the, the same voice and accent yeah, yeah, of the person. It's not just like Microsoft Sam dubbing over. Which, frankly, I would find more believable. <laughs> if, if a bit funny. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's a weird thing that happens. <laughs> I've written, why hasn't the tech to translate from one language to another, but keep the accent been invented yet? It's so cool. Yeah, look, I feel like the whole Jarvis uh, home AI thing has been cribbed for like Amazon Alexa and all that sort of stuff, like the Cortana thing. Mm-hmm. Why can't we have that? Where's that? Where's my flying suit? Come on. <sighs> um, my only note for that is that Bridges is a surprisingly intimidating villain. Uh, yeah, he he's really, really good like, in that scene. He amps up the intimidation and the creep factor when he's alone with Pepper. Yeah. Um, he is an idiot, though. He's an absolute idiot. all the bad guys in this film, because he lets Pepper walk out. He he clearly suspects something. Yes. He lets Pepper walk out. He goes over to the uh, to the PC, moves the mouse a bit to get the screensaver off, and sees the files that she's stolen. And he's just like, oh, no, my files. Gets <laughs> his hands to his head. And instead of sprinting after her or calling security, he just goes to work on the suit, I guess. <laughs> he, like, doesn't he run after her and then just stops as soon as he sees Coulson? I, does he run after her? I didn't see that. If he does, then yeah, okay, fair enough. There's, a like, a federal agent. But I'm yeah. pretty sure he just stops in the chair with his hands on his head like, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. Guess I'm going to prison. I guess so. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Rhodey shows up at Tony's. And this is, this is after, uh, Stain has come and taken the decord Stark. Yes, he's, he's put the, he's put the new arc back reactor, in the, original the old arc timeline. reactor back in. Um, and Tony's, he's got the, he's putting the suit on, he, he takes off, and then, um, our boy Terrence here. He looks at the looks at the Mark uh, two. Mark two, yeah. Looks at the Mark two, and he goes, "Next time, baby." Not. Not quite, buddy. Not quite. Not- you you could have, but it didn't happen for you. And we'll discuss why next time we visit the Iron Man. Series. We will. Oh, we'll what a world it could have been. But I do like I do like that it's a nod. You know. At the time, I'm not sure most moviegoers would have known much about Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I, myself, and like you and other comic fans were in the minority there. Yeah. Uh, having a nod towards War Machine is very cool. Absolutely. I like that a lot. And that was before like everything had references to things that could be, uh, which I feel like is going to be a big uh, positive point for a lot of the Phase One movies for me. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, War Machine's cool. It's cool to get that little nod. It's a shame that it wasn't Terrence, but hey, we did get War Machine eventually. Yep, we did get him, and that the the War Machine War Machine suits are pretty fucking cool. It it is consistently one of the coolest things. Yep. Uh, so Stark fights Stain, but he's outmatched with his upgraded reactor to run his suit at full capacity. I feel like we need to mention. There is a scene where Jeff Bridges, oh, Stain is like, no, not Stain, Jeff Bridges. He's getting the big suit ready to go. He's putting the final touches on it. He's Mm -hmm. getting in the suit. And then the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and Pepper show up to arrest him. Yes. But he's disappeared. There's no sign of the suit. There's no sign of Stain. The agents are searching. They're walking past this screen that's got a big armored suit on. One guy just kind of smirks at it. 
mm-hmm. whereas this big fucking suit is hidden somewhere in this room. It's hiding behind a bunch of dangling chains. Chains. No. Were the chains there just for the vibe? It's like, I can appreciate that, but what were they there for? It's definitely style over function, surely. I didn't even think about that. Why are they just hanging chains? (laughs) And Stain's just hanging out in the darkness behind them. That's funny. What the fuck? Fuck off suit. And it is big. The Iron Monga suit suit is very big and it's fucking cool looking. Mm. I do love some chunky tech. I said it before, you know, and I'll say it again. So the the um, Ironmonger and Iron Man are fighting on the street. Yep. <laughs> I've just put LMAO. I totally <laughs> forgot about Ironmonger grabbing that bike out from under that guy and hitting Tony with it. It's so fucking funny. He picks it up like mid drive. The guy's yeah. driving past, grabs it by the front axle, and uses it like a fucking <laughs> baseball bat. <laughs> And also, there is that there is that part where he picks up like a family sedan or like a minivan or something, yeah, and goes to crush Stark with it. <laughs> Which family's still inside, screaming children, screaming parents. It's great. It is so good. <sighs> uh, and he is really hamming it up as a villain here. Like all of his dialogue is so fantastically villainous. Yes. And with, like, the voice modulation making it a little bit deeper as well, because mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges already has a deep voice, but the Ironmonger voice is like, real down here. It's great. I love everything about the Ironmonger. Uh, I've put, uh, this end fight scene isn't the best, but it does what it needs to and provides a couple of standout moments, like the bike and the rocket jump to punch Ironmonger in the face, Yep, which is pretty cool, too. It's got some fantastic stuff. I also really like the uh, the forearm shield. It yes, seems highly specific, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not sure it ever comes up again. But uh, there's a bit where Tony is like unmasked, and he's only got one gauntlet on, and he's running low on power. And Obadiah just like hits him with some machine gun fire from one of his hands, I guess. And this little like a shield the size of a dinner plate, some might say, <laughs> pops right. out. From his forearm to protect him from the the shrapnel. It's fucking cool. Um, Stark Lewis Stain atop the Stark Industries building and instructs Potts to overload the large arc reactor there. Doing so unleashes a massive electrical electric electrical surge that knocks Stain unconscious, Some causing kind of him magnetic pulse. Uh, yeah, causing him and his armor to fall into the exploding reactor, killing him. That's oh, what yeah, this there says. was the explosion. I definitely forget that there was the explosion. explosion there. Yes, yeah, I, I feel like that up too. Until that point, I'm like, yeah, no, Stain could have survived that, but then you reminded me. No of explosion. No, you know what? There was an gone. explosion. Yeah. Um, like it's already bad enough that he falls through that thing without any face covering. Right. <laughs> Basically, has a family sedan landing on top of him. <laughs> uh, the floating heads uh, probably like the worst effect in the movie. Yeah. Um, even so, a, for the time, it it does pretty good. I think it's fine. D- their faces just look low res compared to everything else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bridges has another really good line read here, though, when he's trying to um hit Tony with the rocket. <laughs> this and is he goes, where he's like, "Stay still, you little prick! You ripped out my targeting system." His line read on that is so weird. Really playful. Yeah. 
And then he calls Tony a little prick. He calls him a little prick, but it's just the that first part is just hilarious to me. Um, the whole thing's pretty great, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, um, we, we did skip over the the little flight bit where uh, Tony, you know, fucks off into low orbit. Oh yes, uh, we and, get a call um, back to the the freezing. Yeah, the test flight and the the freezing of the armor. But also, yeah. I like um, I like Bridges' line read of "You've upgraded your armor. I've made some improvements of my own." Something like that. But the way he says it is just very funny. Like he's way into it. I love it. <laughs> but also, the the flight and the icing up. It's all very good. It's all that's a good Chekhov's frozen armor. Yes, a good callback. A good setup. So- Holy shit! Stain survives the fall back to Earth. I'm ho- I'm I'm assuming the jets That's another just kick th- back in. Well, so no, I I made it. I made an effort to to pay attention to this because so, so what happens? He falls, mm-hmm. and then Tony just lands back on the building. Just assumes that the fall did it. Well, and then you and then Stain like shows up behind him, but he like. He rockets in like he Sneaking lands up on tiny silent cat feet. This giant suit of armor. <laughs> so it's very stealthy. I guess the power kicked back in at some point, and he uh, got his rockets working again. And just really padded in that motherfucker. And when he landed, it just took out everything in a ten block radius. But he was fine. <laughs> they don't show you all the all the chaos in downtown Miami when he explodes no. upon impact. <laughs> no. It's a massive iron monger shaped crater in downtown. Uh, the next day, the press has dubbed the armored hero Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Agent Coulson gives Stark a cover story to explain the events of the night and Stain's death. Yep, those but, small uh, those small aircraft are unreliable. Exactly. At a press conference, Stark begins giving the cover story, but then instead announces that he is Iron Man, shocking the public as that fucking badass song kicks in, shocking the public as the crowd of interviewers suddenly begin roaring out questions, much to Rhodes' confusion. What? I mean, Rhodes is just generally pretty confused. Just generally confused. Um, I kind of wish... They, they had stuck with the bodyguard angle for a little bit, but also Rockstar, Iron Man, Tony Stark. I, it's too good to not use as much as you can, I guess. Well, I'm pretty... Uh, so the the story is supposedly that uh, Downey just uh, ad-libbed uh, the I Am Iron Man thing at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and then when it came to editing and, and putting the film together, Kevin Feige was like, you know what? Let's just... Let's lose the whole double identity angle and just yeah i mean at that point with superhero films the tried and true method was to have a secret identity and have that be the crux of a lot of the drama is juggling those two Mm -hmm. Uh, unless you were the x-men in which case you could just be an x-men exactly um so you know what in retrospect i i think i appreciate just having him own it and not having to worry about the secret identity stuff and the only Even character I really do like the bodyguard uh, angle. Yeah, and the only character in the MCU to have a secret identity is Spider-Man. Yep. Everyone yep. else is everyone's just... out and proud. Yeah. Um, Coulson says the thing. Just call a shield. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we took all movie to get there, but like all good jokes, uh, they come in threes. I think this is the third time they mention it. 
Yeah. And he cuts Pepper off midway through saying the wordy, <laughs> wordy name. Right. Uh, it's good credits and movie done, right? Movie done. That's it. That's all that happens. Oh, wait. Afterward, <laughs> Nick Fury visits Stark at his home, stating that Iron Man is not the only superhero in the world. Is it wants- generous? He he breaks and enters. <laughs> He performs a B and E. He does, yeah. Uh, wants to discuss the Avengers Initiative. No, no. He says he wants to speak about the Avenger Initiative. Hey, listen to me. There's I'm just reading this fucking Avenger. bullshit thing, okay? That synopsis is wrong. Nick it is Fury wrong. He, he does Avenger. say Avenger Initiative. Yes. I was very uh, specific about my writing on that one. <laughs> I uh, I noticed that too. Sounds like Avenger Initiative. Weird. But all right, yeah, he, man, Nick Fury, fucking cool. I've put post credits. It's Nick Fury. He's setting everything up. He said Avenger. <laughs> he said it. He said the word. He said the word. Um, uh, yeah, post credit yeah. scenes weren't really a thing, were they? I I feel like I mean, I'm sure movies didn't really have them. No, I'm sure there were movies with post credit scenes before, but uh, I couldn't name one for you. No, I definitely couldn't like, either. The only but... thing I could really tell you is uh, films that had like blooper reels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or like the Pixar ones that had the weird animated blooper reels. Yeah, those were weird. Still love so, them. I wish they'd bring yeah, those back. Um, but yeah, this is definitely the start of a trend that would continue to this day. And if anything, only get bigger and more extreme. Mm-hmm. It's great to work in a cinema. Let me tell you, these days with fucking post-credit scenes on everything, it's the You're best. Just standing at the doors in the cinema, just being like, "Get the fuck out!" Fuck. Especially when you have another movie coming in in about five minutes, and you have to clean up still. Now, do you uh, ever get to the point where you're just like, "Look, there's only." Do you ever walk into an MCU audience and be like, "Look, there's two post-credit scenes." The mid-credit scene is worth sticking around for. The post-credit scene is fucking nothing. Don't worry about it. Uh, I have had people like start to walk out, and they'll be like, "Is there something at the end?" And uh, I'll be, and I'll be like, "It's it's not much. <laughs> it's there's nothing real." Like um, at the end of was it Matrix or no? At the end of Batman, the Batman. Oh yeah. Uh. There's just a, it's just like a question mark or something. Yeah, there's says, a, like a little, uh, yeah, there's a little hint that things might go further and it, there really is nothing. It really just says goodbye and there's like a question mark or something. Yeah. Um, so people would, people ask me if there was like a end credit scene in that movie and I'd be like, it really just says goodbye. <laughs> that's all it says. Well, that's good. Uh, at least yeah. you're not like bold faced lying to them. <laughs> No. Uh, let's get to uh, the the title uh, section of the show. Stark or Stank? Yes. There you go. Let's. You like that? I did. That was a good line read. Can we get um, it with more, more, more spit? Stark or Stank? Perfect. Ship it. Okay. These are my these are my Starks. I'll give you my first Stark. All right. Uh, the it. natural, the natural feel uh, to a lot of the dialogue. It's something that's missing from the MCU these days, with everything kind of being overwritten. I love that there's a lot of ad libbing, and I think it works for these characters. Yeah, 
I would agree with that. I like again. I said this earlier. I don't think I could have picked that it was mostly ad libbed, but uh, once you told me, it's like, well, well, yeah, no, it's so obvious now. Um, yeah. But yeah, it definitely works in favor of the film. It's a good time. What's your first Stark? My first Stark is the soundtrack, mm-hmm. specifically with the use of diegetic music, but like this, the soundtrack overall was really good. Um, you get a good feel for Tony Stark's personality just by the mu- like listening to the music he listens to. Yes. Uh, Back in Black in the Humvee and the other notable one is Institutionalized by Suicidal Tendencies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just... I, I feel like I know who that guy is just by hearing those songs and being like, yeah, he would listen to those. <laughs> Absolutely. He seems like the kind of guy. And it's something that not a lot of MCU movies do. I feel like the Guardians films and uh, like Thor's aren't even really diegetic. They are no. part of the soundtrack. But like Guardians of the Galaxy, that's a fucking great thing that I feel like got a, a little bit of a start here. Yeah. I guess so. Um, my other Stark is that they spend time setting up the characters and don't feel the need to rush to the action. It takes a full hour until you see, you know, a proper Iron Man suit once he's back home, and it didn't feel slow or boring in that first hour. Sure, there was the escape scene, but that's only a small part of that first hour. It made me think of uh, Ms. Marvel and how a lot of that show was character-based. I like just seeing these characters do their thing without feeling like there's needs to be an action scene every 10 minutes. Yeah, no, it is definitely <coughs> more character-driven than action-driven. Um, even in that escape sequence, it's it's very much um, like a tone setter. It's yeah. very much like shot to be sort of anticipation building more than anything. And the action in it, isn't that much action. You shoot some flamethrowers, there's some explosions, he flies away. Yeah. Uh, he, he punches that wall, gets shot in the head. <laughs> yes. Like, it, it's definitely not action as I would call most action scenes. Um, no. Yeah, no, it's good. I My second stock is simply the Iron Man testing phase. Tony yeah. Stark is 100% the guy that would take laborious notes on everything, and he would 100% videotape himself doing test flights, and they are maybe my favorite part of the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, Stark blasting himself into his roof is great. It's (laughs) fucking hilarious. It never fails to make me laugh. And again, good jokes come in threes. Having the uh, assistant robot douse him once, Go to douse him the second time, and then the third time douse him when he comes through the roof. Perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, um, that whole that whole suit test phase thing is is really. I also love really good. the look of the bare bones suit, like the straps and the boots. Yep, all of that stuff is top notch. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, uh... I f- I feel like. You don't get a lot of like the uh, the test run phase, yeah. Superhero yeah. movies. You get them with like the Sam Raimi Spider Man. Uh huh. There's a bit of that, you know, Shazam. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Shazam, Shazam has some. Yeah. But like modern day superhero movies don't really do that. Ms. Marvel, the series, has mm-hmm. a bit of that. Yeah, she's but, got some. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's something that I really appreciated about this movie. It's a good time, but uh, you know, also the fact that he's creating a suit sort of lends itself to that more than yes, 100%. The fact that he's an inventor who would take those notes. Yeah. This is a thing that he would do. Dr. S- Dr. Strange has like a good sort of, there is a bit of a training montage in that. Yeah. Uh, now for my stanks. So I just want to say like, <laughs> I know for you, Josh, this was like hard to, to pick something like bad. I, I feel like it's going to be hard for me to pick things I dislike about the majority of these films, but I will scrape the bottom of the barrel for you, <laughs> the listener. Um, this was hard for me too, especially for this movie. Cause it's just, mm-hmm. this movie is so good. Yep. Uh, and uh, so Very this well just done. comes down to just sort of nitpicking, I guess. Um, but it's stuff. This is something I mentioned already, but it's like Obadiah needed more setup. I think I like, I wish they'd gone with their plan to make him the villain of the second movie to give it a better payoff when the heel turn comes, but this is the movie that they made. So, you know, we deal with it. I guess I just would have liked more Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges in the MCU. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, I feel like this is a stank that I can really agree with because my first stank is a villain presence isn't as big as I would like. Mm. Now, you can take that to mean that I wish there was more of a diastain, which I do because he's really good. But also, I kind of wish that they would either focus on the Ten Rings or focus on Stain and the corporate espionage thing. And they just kind of sweep the Ten Rings under the rug to... Uh, prop up stain as your big villain by the end and that's fine it works uh but i don't know it it's not as strong as it could have been yeah i agree um uh, my other stank is that uh the end fight scene could have been better there's just not a lot to it and doesn't really feel like a big climactic moment of the movie it felt like a mid-movie fight scene, only that would only that would have ended with Tony getting his ass kicked. Instead, he wins, but it's really Pepper that saves the day, and that's never acknowledged ever again. Hashtag justice for Pepper. <laughs> Pepper gets some justice later. It's fine. Um, uh, I, I do. I do think that you're correct. I feel like a part of that is though because the movie isn't really like action oriented for a lot of it. They, yeah. they don't really have that mid-movie fight because, hey, you don't have your villains set up to do it. Yeah. And so you get one fight at the end because we're running long. <laughs> right. Uh, get it over and done with, boys. Fucking rock'em, sock'em robots. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just... yeah. I, they, they just fight on the street for a bit. And then, they, and then they're... It's definitely very small scale, especially compared to what we would see from the MCU later on. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They do have a big sky laser, though. Sure. Like, when the thing explodes, there is a big goddamn mm-hmm. sky laser. Sky lasers are cool. Which is uh, one of the things that people would uh, like often criticize the MCU about. Yeah, <laughs> right. always, always climaxes with a big, dumb skylight. I like my skylights, okay? I like them, too. How do I know the movie's done when there's no big skylight exclamation mark? <laughs> Imagine if there was just like a... There's a little just... dot at the bottom of that. You can never see it though because it's in the middle of the city. 
imagine just watching like a really serious drama or something. And then right at the end of the movie, there's just, for some reason, just a big beam in the sky. It's like, like now oh, you know, yes, the movie movie's over. Whew. Guess yeah. that's the end of the movie. Otherwise, I'd still be sitting in the cinema and Aaron would be yelling at me. <laughs> exactly. Um, so my my second stank, and this is me really scraping the bottom of the barrel, is yes. I think maybe that the Mark II could have been more different. And this is a completely design-based thing. Mm-hmm. I think you've got the Mark One. It's big, it's chunky, and it's so good. And you got the Mark Three, which looks amazing. It is exactly what I would want from an on-screen Iron Man suit. Yeah. The Mark Two is just that, but silver. Yes. It's so like the difference is so little that you confuse them for each other. Yeah, that's true. I did. So like. I, I don't want something major, but like if you've seen the Iron Man suits in the comics, he does start with something very similar to the Mark One, and then yeah. his next suit was like that totally gold dome helmeted yes uh, thing. If they had done something like that, I think I think I would have just absolutely loved it. I think it would be the that fucking be cool. dumbest and best. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the Mark Two is cool. But it's really just a silver version or chrome version of the uh, finished product. Yeah. Which, uh, let me check my notes. Is the perfected design. Yes. <laughs> okay. Perfected, the perfected suit. Mark three. The perfected never get better suit. than this. No. Can only go down from the third one. Yeah. There's no way we could keep this going for another. Could never beat it. 82 suits. Definitely couldn't make like a big. Uh... Like just like you could make like a big one or an underwater one or a space no. one or a stealth nah. one. Can't make any of those. Nah. Couldn't make one that like bleeds out of his skin. That'd be weird. Not allowed. It's just you've hit three, and yep. that's it. Yeah, it's the magic number, idiot. Everyone knows there's no bigger number than three. <laughs> uh, let's rank it. It's number one. <laughs> it's also the it's also the worst one. It is it's the, the best, best and the worst MCU movie as as of right now. Now I do have to ask this. Um, it is clarification for uh, future Stark or Stanks. Are we keeping separate rankings, or are we going to have to come to some sort of uh, agreement? I feel like we need to come to an agreement. Oh no, these podcasts could lo- these could go real long. <laughs> okay, no, if that's how you want to do it, we'll do that. I am keeping my own ranking just for my own personal uh, gratification. I but, also have my own ranking. Uh, I mean, a, a second ranking. Okay, all right. So I've got my I've got my current MCU ranking. I've got a second ranking for as I rewatch, <laughs> and then uh, then we'll keep a podcast one. So currently, Iron Man, number one. And number one. 30 or something. No, it's still just number one. There's only one on the list. Okay, well... 30? You can't count higher than three. <laughs> oh, fuck, I forgot. Damn it. It's number one and number three. <laughs> of one. <laughs> of one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's the show. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll, be we'll back see in- you again next week for Stark or Stank. With everyone's favorite, The Incredible Hulk.
It's definitely, definitely my not least favorite. That's going to be number one next week for sure. Nobody tell him. <laughs> uh, there's no way it's not number one. It's got Hulk in it. Incredible. It's in the title. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk. And it has uh, great actors like Edward Norton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on. How could I don't it know not if you're be being now. <laughs> number one. We'll Edward see. Norton. I-, I like Edward Norton, but you know. <clears throat> don't know. Great stuff. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Thanks, Josh. D- d- oh, thanks, no, everyone. Thank you. Bye. No, no, thank you. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. Stank, Stank, Stank. Genius billionaire playboy. You Stank. You Stank. I am Iron Man.